Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is the sermon on July 28, 2019. Fire in the Belly is part five of the five-part worship series, A Time to Act. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 37 through 47. Here are these words from Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47. Now when the gathered people had heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, Friends, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that sins may be forgiven, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, And for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. So, what have I been doing with my summer vacation? Three things. One, I have been grilling. Great foods cooked to perfection over the fire, yummy in my tummy from deli to the belly. Two, I've been biking. I bought a bike over Memorial Day weekend. It's my first bike rides in over 20 years. And uh, it's been exciting. It's been scary. Sometimes I'm biking and I'm laughing because I'm excited. Sometimes I'm biking and I'm crying because I'm scared to death. Uh, Either way, I'm feeling the burn. And I did recently meet one of my neighbors, Mr. Hill. And it turns out there's quite a large Hill family in my neighborhood. All right, see, it plays better with the microphone. There we go. The third thing I'm doing is preparing for MCCI. That is the acronym for the Missional Church Consultation Initiative. It's this annual conference resource we have that is essentially an intensive consultation model that involves clergy coaching, and it's to help jumpstart the next life cycle in vibrant churches. Now, this is something, friends, that we were about to do in 2017 before we experienced clergy transition. So this is something that we were all set to do, and uh, now is the time. The bishop is very excited for us to get back on the horse with this one. You can read more in my article for the Heartline. If you didn't get it this weekend, it'll be coming to you pretty shortly here. And we're going to be talking more about it in August, but friends, I am very excited. This is going to be an amazing process for our church. Now, here's the thing, though. I talked to Bishop, and we were in this meeting about MCCI, and he said, and I quote, this is a disruptive process. 
If you don't have a stomach for disruption, this may not be your game. He says, this is for churches with zest and zeal and grit and heart. It's for churches with what he calls fire in the belly. I love that, fire in the belly. So for my final sermon of our first sermon series together, A Time to Act, I want to preach to you about our bellies and the spirit that is within. Now, when I crafted our first year, our one-year journey through Acts of the Apostles, we're calling it Activate, I thought about how we have to unleash the Holy Spirit in our neighborhood and just blow it out with action and gusto. Now, as I was preparing for today and the Holy Spirit, it made me think about the first sermon I ever did as a pastor. It wasn't my first sermon ever, but my first sermon as a pastor serving a church five years ago. And that subject of that sermon was puke. That's right. Vomit, hurl, yak, barf, tossing the cookies, the Technicolor yawn, calling Ralph on the big white telephone. Oh, I'm so glad we came to worship today. Oh, yeah, this is really good, yeah. Uh, Now, here's some context. Now, that particular Sunday, the children were doing a musical based on the book of Jonah. And you may recall that in Jonah, chapter 2, verse 10, is that verse where it says, Then the Lord spoke to the fish, to the whale, to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up upon the dry land. Now, you may have a Bible translation that says something like, it cast up Jonah onto dry land. I'm sorry, that is a mistranslation. The Hebrew is vayachech, and that is vomit. All right? Now, talk about a disruptive process, right? Now, no one likes to vomit, but my, my guess is we have all likely experienced vomit. And in that story, God uses vomit. I guess God can make good out of anything. Now I know, friends, here at Richfield United Methodist, you are jealous because my first sermon here was just about spoiling the end of movies, nothing fun like puke. And so to end our first series of preaching here, I thought I'd end with something just as fun, and that's guts. Wet, sloppy, visceral guts. Oh, I can't wait for brunch after worship, too. Oh, yeah, I'm getting really hungry. This is great. So playfulness aside, this isn't just to be gross or memorable, though it will likely be both those things. It's because when I read this story in the Acts of the Apostles, I think about the first disciples, the first church, the first acts of Christian love, and I am in love with how their hearts are on fire for the Holy Spirit the awe and fear they have, and the guts that they have to go for it together. Now, just like Jonah has the Hebrew word for vomit, I want you to think about a Greek word. There's a Greek word called splachnon. Is it up there? All right, splachnon. There it is in Greek and in English. Let's all say splachnon together, splachnon. It even sounds wet and sloppy, doesn't it? Well, it is. Uh, to the ancients, splachnon is your belly. It's your insides. It's where your strongest feelings reside. This is where you feel your tender affections, your deep desires, your compassion. It's the seat of your being, if you've ever heard that phrase. 
It's which compels you to move from feeling your feelings to acting your actions. It's also your bowels, your intestines, your stomach, your innards. It's your guts. And just like the Greek word pneuma is the wind swirling around you and it's the breath pulled deep inside you and it's the spirit compelling you, this Greek word has multiple meanings. When we have strong feelings, delight, anger, fear, awe, where do we feel them? We feel them in our gut, right? We feel them in our bellies. We feel feelings physiologically. Of course the ancients put our feelings there. So if you need some examples of Splachnon in the Newer Testament, you can go to Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It says that the Good Samaritan was moved with compassion. He had Splachnon for the man in the ditch. Or go to Zechariah's prophecy for the arrival of the baby Jesus in Luke 1, where he says, By the tender mercy of God, by the Splachnon of God, the dawn from on high will break upon us. Baby Jesus is coming. Or think from a couple weeks ago where we learned in Acts 1 about the fate of Judas Iscariot. He's in his field and it says he fell and he burst open in the middle and all of his bowels gushed out. He splacked on all over the field. Now while Acts 2 and the birth of the church at Pentecost is filled with the Holy Spirit and with fire, splacked as a word, it does not appear as a written word in the text. However, its presence permeates the whole story. We know the image of the tongues of fire dancing on their heads and their minds are ablaze throughout the community, right? Yet this community is feeling fire in the belly. The fire dances on their heads and if indeed they are filled with the Holy Spirit, then that Holy Spirit resides in their guts. It's fire in the belly. It's like a candle is lit on top. The wick runs straight through the guts of the middle, right? It's ready to burn. This is how a community of believers goes through life, supporting each other, reaching out, keeping the flame lit and alive. They don't merely intellectualize it. Oh, I'll be nice because it's nice to be nice. No, They feel it. I am compelled from my innermost being to reach out to my neighbor. As a group, as a church, these first people encounter disruption. They have a sense of awe that teeters on fear because all the moments of awe scrape against that line of fear. You ever been on a roller coaster? Awe, fear, awe, fear over and over again. And they attempt to gain their bearings. They try to settle their stomachs. And two questions arrive in this story. What does this mean? What should we do? They have this moment where they feel the spirit. There's like tongues of fire dancing on them. They can understand each other, perhaps for the first time ever. And they look around and they ask, what does this mean? And Simon Peter responds. uh, He responds and reminds them of their history. As a people, they come so far together. He gives them this pressure of Joel. This moment here is exactly what that prophet said would happen. He has this midrash of the Psalms. All of these writings you have from David, all of this leads up to this in Jesus. 
And then they ask this other question, what should we do? And when you move from what does this mean to what should we do, it shows a move from empathy to compassion. They seek to know the fire in their belly so they can light up the world. That compelling feeling to do is how the Holy Spirit moves us from empathy to compassion in order to exercise justice. And those two words, empathy and compassion, they're not as interchangeable as we often make them out to be. Empathy is understanding another's feelings, even coming to grip with their situation, putting yourself in their shoes. Compassion is when those feelings get churning into yearning to do the work, to heal the world, to activate. And I know that you have fire in the belly, friends, because I have experienced it with you. In just the last month, the one month I've been here with you, it's been my honor and privilege of being with some of you during your biggest belly laughs and some of your messiest weeping. Have you ever been with someone who laughed so hard they weren't even themselves? That sound is is either too high or too loud or it's abrupt. And they close their eyes, they whip their head back as if possessed by something deep within. And it's loud and it pulls at your abs and it pulls at your rib cage. There's a reason they call it a belly laugh. You're a church who likes to laugh who is compelled to take moments of joy-filled awe and wonder and share it with others. Have you ever been with someone who cried so hard they weren't even themselves? The sound is guttural. It's wet and breathy, choking even. Eyes whipping tears this way and that. Is it possessed by something deep within? In deep crying, especially the breath stinks of bile and gall. The wind strikes a part of the lungs less traveled and it barks up. And if a hug is involved, it mixes with the sweat and the tears and it soaks shirts and forearms. It's crying from the gut. You're a church who holds each other when you cry, who takes in someone's fear of mystery and dwells in it together. The Holy Spirit, the fire in your belly, fills you with compassion for each other and compels you to act in Jesus' mission of justice and mercy. Do you have fire in your belly? This is the interactive part of the sermon. Friends, do you have fire in your belly? Do you have guts? Friends, I cannot name your passion. I cannot tell you what amount of compassion to have for this cause or for these people. Each of us must take responsibility to feel the spirit deep in our guts and fan those flames and see what flares up and out. So, for example, is your compassion this planet in combating climate change? Are you moved when you read stories from those whose lives are ruined by climate change? Are you moved when you hear the story of Marina Akalin? who speaks of being a typhoon victim in the Philippines when she says, the waves swept everything away. Our belongings are gone. I used to make rice cakes and sell them. Now the marketplace has been washed away. Are you moved with compassion by Alivio Arquipa on shrinking glaciers that used to give water for his town in Bolivia? 
He says we have problems with drought and we have landslides when the waters do come. We don't have enough water for our crops. People can't provide for their family. Can we have compassion for them? Can we repent for them? Can we start small with just pulling recyclables out of the trash? Can we go medium with an energy audit of our homes and our church building? Can we go big with a capital investment in renewable energy as a state or as a nation? Can we repent of all of this? Now, don't get scared of the word repent. It gets misused and thrown at people a lot. But repenting is just to make a turn. It's to turn and remake the path before it's too late. Are you moved with compassion by Greta Thunberg? Did anybody see this young woman speak this past January? She's a 16-year-old environmental activist from Europe, and she was at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. She was one of the last speakers there, and she stood uh, with her paper at the mic, and she was all cool and collected, cool as a cuke with her braids. And she said this to that forum. This young woman said, we must change almost everything in our current societies. The bigger your carbon footprint is, the bigger your moral duty. The bigger your platform, the bigger your responsibility. Adults keep saying we owe it to the young people to give them hope. But I don't want your hope. I don't want you to feel hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I want you to act. I want you to act as if you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if the house was on fire, because it is. That's a 16-year-old young woman speaking truth to power, power like us. That takes guts. Does that light your fire? I want it to. There's a whole lot of social justice issues that I would love to light your fire. But again, I cannot tell you how much compassion to have. I don't live in your belly. I'm not the fire in your belly. I don't have, uh, I don't churn your splachnon, right? The Holy Spirit does that. So we repent of willful ignorance and comfort. We be baptized by the fire in the belly that threatens to spill out and splash all over that broken world like a healing salve bringing new life. Do what this church has always done. Listen for the Holy Spirit. Stand in awe and wonder. Ask, what does this mean? Feel the fire in the gut. Ask, what should we do? And then do it. It is a time to act, to activate. If there's one thing I know from this church, from talking with Bishop and District Superintendent and Life Camp friends over the last 20 plus years and, and interacting with you and Bible study and all the different times I knew you before I got here and even in these last four weeks, if there's one thing I know about this church, we are a church with guts. I believe that right in my belly. We all have times when we ignore the Holy Spirit. I do it, you do it. Humans are messy like that. But God doesn't need more fire extinguishers God needs more fire tenders. That's our job. So the next time you feel an upset stomach, you feel a little heartburn, don't reach for the Pepto-Bismol. Reach for the gospel. 
and share it. Reach for the voting lever and make change. Reach for the phone to call your elected official. Reach for the pen to write the new policy. Reach for the keyboard to sign up for the email list. Reach for the seat at the community education class. Reach for the placard to march. And when your body won't let you do it anymore, reach for the checkbook to fuel a young person who can. Reach for the world around you and reach out for the Holy Spirit, the fire in your belly, and let it burst forth. Puke up the Holy Spirit. It's time to act like fire breathers. The fire of the Holy Spirit is a renewable resource. Burning fossil fuels stinks, but the Spirit is refreshing. It doesn't burn coming up. It's eternal. It's active. And friends, I am proud to be the pastor of a church with guts. Let's acknowledge we got them and let's use them. We're just getting started. May it be so and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2019. Now go into God's world knowing you are a beloved child and bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.